There you go, folks. Now, as you may be aware, the official Euro 2020 stroke 2021 anthem is by Bono the Edge and somebody else, and it's called We Are the People. Therefore, that's why you just listen to the theme tune from It's a Knockout and Primal Screen <laughs> with Urban Welsh. Okay, this is a football special, so this is a serious matter. That's why the big guns are here. All of you out there listening to this right now can unclench your buttocks because the real Duke of Edinburgh is here, Mr Paul O'Neill. Good morning, boys. How's it going? Uh, you uh, kicked your drug habits since the last podcast? or <laughs> um, My cold is better, yes, thank you. Yeah. He, d- he does, to me, 
look like he's wearing a silk scarf from his neck, so I'm a bit uneasy about that, to say the least. I can assure you, it's just a polo shirt. Also uh, joining us is the dapper Doogie Watt. Morning, lads. Looks like he's just come out of his bed, has to be said. That's not, that's not far from the truth, I'll give you that. And uh, Paul's been kind of excited by the fact that you can almost see your groin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into it. So we're talking about, we're going to go through various categories, right? And uh, we'll go through the groups. First group we'll start with, Paul, was actually Group A, believe it or not, which consists of Italy, Switzerland, Turkey and Wales. Where do you see this going? Um, I think it's quite a, a good group to be honest. I think Wales will really struggle. Like, I think after the last Euros, it, Wales had quite a there'll be a bit of expectation about them. But it's such a such a tough group. Like Switzerland are just ridiculously consistent. They very very rarely lose games, mm. and Italy are Italy. They didn't concede goals. Flat. It's rough. Um, so I think it will come down between Wales and Turkey for that third spot. Mm-hmm. And I think Turkey are a really good team as well. Like they, they just beat um like they, they beat Holland quite comfortably in the World Cup qualifiers and stuff. I think Turkey are a good team, so I think Wales are gonna struggle. And they've not got that momentum going into it with like Bale at the top of his game and stuff. Nah, nah. I mean so, Doogie Italy, I Italy, Italy the group. Sorry, Paul, stop slavering when we're trying to talk <laughs> here. Doogie Italy's not been beaten since uh, Mussolini was in charge. So uh, after the relative crap performances recently, they're actually looking really good. Uh, I think uh, because obviously they never qualified for the uh, for Russia, did they? No. Uh, um, so they were looking to uh, bounce back. Watch a lot of Italian football myself. I think the squads uh, there's not really many household names. There's mm. a couple of players I really like. The boy Insigne for Napoli is a cracking new player. Um, I just I don't know if they might struggle to uh, up top in terms of striker. Really, I actually think that first game against uh, Turkey, I think that could be a, a bit of a shock. Yeah, well, okay. Um, yeah. Paul, you mentioned um, Gareth Bale, obviously, and Gareth Bale, prob- you know, pretty much single-handedly got Wales to the semi-finals mm-hmm. um, last time out. But again, that was five years ago. Um, have you seen any, wasn't anything at Tottenham to suggest that he can do that again? He's shown it. He's shown it in flashes. He's it's clearly good enough and. The encouraging thing for Wales is he seems to give a fuck about them, so he'll actually put the effort in and turn up. Um, and I think this will probably be his last hurrah as well for them, so um, I think he'll retire after this. And, um, so, so I think they'd like a, to go on a high note. I suppose the other thing we need to mention about Wales is the managerial aspect. It's just it's bizarre, isn't it? Like, gigs is done, they're obviously just biding their time before they can actually get rid of him, but it's obviously no, it's far from ideal for them. Going into it like a caretaker manager. Uh, I think they're going to have a shocker. Kind of, kind of hope so. I think they're just. I quite like Wales as a country, but uh, the football team. I think they've they're no better than Scotland. That the I think Scotland are a better team now. Uh, but years gone by, we never qualified, and they did. There was nothing between the teams really. Mm. Just a Gareth Bale. Uh, maybe that's just jealousy. <laughs> Okay, so we'll go to Group B, B for Belgium, Paul, uh, one of the favourites, Russia, Denmark, as we've seen supported by the great Jimmy Lee Curtis, and um, Finland. I mean, this is another group that, you know, all right, Belgium, but, you know, after that... Aye, I, I think you'd expect Belgium to win it. Um, 
I'm I'm not convinced Finland are that great. They don't want to qualify. Um, they're capable on their day picking up a result, but I think they need a, a good bit of luck to get out of the group because I, I don't see who they're beating in, in the group. I think second will come down to um, Russia and Denmark. I think Denmark are, are the better team. But, um, Denmark are just really consistent, eh? whereas Russia are kind of up and down. Like they really Poland recently and didn't look in a friendly the other day and they didn't look great. Before that, they lost to Slovakia and, and they lost 5 0 in Serbia, so they're really up and down, Russia. And Denmark, to me, are the opposite of that. They're just really steady, really consistent. So I fancy Belgium to win the group, and I think um, Denmark will finish second. Well, I'm looking forward to that um, Belgium-Denmark game, Dougie, because the strip clash will be phenomenal. Like, <laughs> um, the, two, the iconic strips of Belgium and Denmark. And I suppose you could throw Wales into that, actually, as well. But um, it's one of the... I mean, I think Russia's been inflated by the World Cup you know, 2018, where they were home team, you know, that classic scenario, the home team doing well. But, I mean, can you see, can you see Belgium losing a game in this group, do you? Um, probably not, to be honest, mate. Um, I was trying to, I've been looking at the sort of routes to, to get through. I think if Belgium win the group, we're actually one of the three three matches, if we finish third and snuck through, that could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Um, but I think, nah, I think, I've said to you boys before the show that I think Belgium's one of the teams I do fancy. Maybe De, De Bruyne pending if he's doesn't make it, he's not fit. But if him and Lukaku uh, uh, mould together, because he's just a monster up front, I don't think any defence in the tournament will really be able to cope on. Totally and if there's such an array of stars in the team, that just uh, yeah, I think they'll win this group pretty easily. One of the most bizarre decisions I've ever seen in a team day when they sold Man United sold Lukaku and didn't they replace him and um, the guy's an absolute machine, you know. Oh, I love the guy. I think he's uh, even when he was on loan at West Brom mm-hmm. from Chelsea, they were there to mind he'd scored one goal at Anfield one time where he just left. I don't know who it was, but fucking one touch away, bang! And he thought this guy's only eighteen, nineteen. This guy's aye. Yeah. Doing it now. Reminds me of Wayne Rooney in a lot of ways as well. I saw Wayne Rooney play when he was 18. Um, actually, at Everton for Man United, and Joseph Yobo came over to shoulder barge him out the fucking pitch, and he bounced off Rooney like he wasn't even there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking unreal. Okay, there's always a group of shit, and unbelievably, Scotland, <laughs> Scotland are in it, right? Ukraine, Netherlands, Austria, North Macedonia. Paul, what do you tell us about the North Macedonians? Uh, they're, they're not that good to qualify via the Europa uh, the Euro Nations League group I, mean, uh, I, th- I think they're, they're going to end up being whipping boys unfortunately for them but it's it's just an amazing achievement for them to be there to be honest but this group is poor this is the one that I think even the purists will find hard to watch Austria v North Macedonia well, like. we saw I know Dougie didn't see the game but we saw on Wednesday Netherlands play Scotland and you know they didn't look great at all did they I mean you know we're with the, I forgot the players whatever. they've got some decent players but it's no it, you know the, 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 the loss of Van Dijk's massive um, there is you know, you've got Memphis to pie and people like but I mean ugh, if they get out of the group I can't see them beating anybody decent mm. Uh, as I say, I didn't see the full 90 minutes and it was more looking at how we were playing and uh, yeah, I kind of knew that before coming in uh, you look at the Dutch starting lineup. it's not really years gone by maybe 10, 15 years ago it's like blowing you away probably literally 8 years ago guys like Robin, Van Persie and that mm. it's not really that sort of 
elk about the side now, and you've got that. Don't like not a fan of De Boer in charge either. Um, no, Milton liking that as a manager. Uh, he's had a few shockers. He had a shocking stint at Inter Milan, mm-hmm. Crystal Palace, um, and uh, sort of hidden away in America for a while. But now he's somehow got this job. So uh, I'll probably still. I don't know. I mean, shit over the line and winning this group. Well, Ukraine might be. Uh, they've got some. They've got some players. Uh, I'll be talking about one of their players later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad. I'm happy for Macedonia. I've beaten Macedonia. Well, now North Macedonia. Mm-hmm. I went to watch Scotland uh, get all the way there. Got a ticket for the home end and never got in. <laughs> Uh, uh, me and but, my brother have still got a couple of contacts there, so we're really chuffed for them. Like it's a crack, cracking country. Like, and what was the reason you didn't get in? Uh, they weren't letting anyone in uh, with either. I think probably home colours or didn't look Macedonian. So I was really struggling on both points. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but we got it was George Burley era, and we got beat one 0 Oh, exactly. Uh, Rust- the game was Rust and Hope. Oh, fuck, aye. Aye, we think Barry Robson's yeah, got yeah. ginger here for a start. I mean, probably... Uh, that's that's what I mean. <laughs> Four minutes into the game, it would take him to die. Okay, okay, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll bypass Group D for obvious reasons right now. We'll come back to that. Group E, Paul, and you were slabbering to me about the Spain last night. Poland, Sweden, Slovakia. You watched Spain last night and you said you were impressed. Well, I, I enjoyed the game. Um, Spain weren't great last night, but... They were resting quite a few players as well. Um, I think this is a, a bit of a weird group. It's quite well balanced. I think like Spain are only a, a vintage Spain team, but I do fancy them to win the group. Um, uh, they've, they've got all the good young players, and obviously they've not got any Real Madrid players, obviously, which was a big talking point, which is bizarre going into a tournament. Yeah, I really thought they would have taken um, Ramos just for the experience and the, mm. to have her in the squad, even if he's not going to start. Um, I do think Spain will win this group um, and it'll come down to Sweden and Poland I think or Slovakia aren't they much cop I think they'll probably no. end up being I mean, the whipping well, boys Poland Doogie obviously for, in my mind has the best striker on the planet you know does that mean anything Is it can they, can they Michael Jordan this or can they just no um, yeah I think it does mean something um, they've still got a couple of good uh, decent players in their team as well the boys Zelensky at Napoli has had quite a good season certainly come on strong towards the end um, I'm not sure I'm hoping that Vodovsky is fit see again he's a player that he's I mean he's he's 30, what, 33 34 he's still I think he's about 23 aye. the way he plays aye. he's just um, uh, I mean his movement everything about him is phenomenal he's going all day um, and Group F, Doogie, is the one that you labelled earlier in the week, the Group of Death, which is Germany, France, Portugal and Hungary. And I can see where you're coming from here because, you know, France are phenomenal. There's no doubt about that. Germany, whatever the, how bad they've been recently, are still Germany. Portugal, I've got Ronaldo. Uh, and Hungary, I've got a few decent players as well. Well, I mean, you say Portugal, I've got Ronaldo. They've also got about six or seven other like really top players. Mm. Um, I watched the game last night as well against Spain, and uh, I Spain are probably the better team, they had the better chances. But again, I think maybe Portugal had a couple of players out. But you look through that that team, even the keeper Patricio, mm-hmm. solid keeper. Wolves don't concede many. Uh, I totally bypassed me that the boy Diaz at Man City was Portuguese. I, some reason thought he was South American or something. So uh, you've got 
the boy, even Matinho's not a bad player in centre midfield. Renato, uh, the boy, Renato Sanchez had a great season at Lille. He was like one, built as like a wonder kid years ago and then ended up at fucking Swansea for a wee while. Mm-hmm. They could give up the game after that, but he seemed to bounce back. And he got cracking attacking mids, Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, Jota, and then Ronaldo still, he still got it, you know? So they're, they're really, I think they're serious contenders. Uh, I mean, you've talked there about Bruno Fernandes, Paul. I mean, since he went into Man United, he's, he's almost transformed the whole team. He has. Basically, when he plays well, man, you play well. Um, he's, he's been phenomenal for him. A lot of big goals for him, you know? Mm. A lot of them have been penalties, but he's still got his... Still, that's been tucked in my way, but I, I, I kind of echo what Tuggy says. I think their squad's tremendous. Um, I think I feel I really feel sorry for Hungary because they've got a, a really good blend of players and, and they're good solid, probably the best they've been in years. And they get dealt up that that group, which is a, a bit of a blow for them. Mm-hmm. And Germany, as you say, no matter what you think about them, they're a tournament team, aren't they? Like, and they, they've brought um, they've brought uh, Levin and Lewandowski, so Muller and uh. Hummel's back as well for a bit of experience and I think obviously uh, Yoki Lowe want to go away on a high as well I, I think for them unfortunately they're not as good as France and Portugal but I do think I expect them to go through in probably a third place mm-hmm. OK mm-hmm. Um, we'll get you strap in now Paul because we'll talk about Group D which has and, and by the way this is the first time I realised just even occurred to me about the seeding aspect here England, Croatia Czech Republic, Scotland um, now, first of all, Paul, can England win this tournament? I think they can. I think they've got the players that are good enough. I think, realistically, I don't think they will. Um, I, I just think there's something about them. Like they play at their own pace stuff. It's like they're always they're playing it all really one paced and slow. When the players they've got, they should be sort of an up and at them type team. I think. Aye. Yeah, get forward quickly, let the forward players get people in the back foot. But he'll, like, Southgate insists on playing three at the back, and he'll probably play Walker as one of the three, and he's not a natural centre half. So I think against some teams that, that'll be fine, but against the really good teams, that'll, that'll catch them out. I mean, Croatia, um, you know, we soon have good they were in 2018, Dougie. I mean, are they still all that, or are they quite not quite as good as they used to be? Um, they're always a team I like in tournaments if I'm doing like fantasy teams I usually always look for their players the boy Serna mm-hmm. it's always good for getting points free kicks all the they just I think they've lost players like that um, they've still got guys like Modric and Perisic but I think they've lost a bit of pizzazz and the guys that are coming through maybe aren't quite as you sort of Brozovic's and uh I'm not sure if the boy at Rangers will get a look in Barisic, but well, won't really give a fuck about that. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, I think if they get, they won't get much further than the last sixteen. I don't think. Um, but in, in terms of us, um, they're still a bit a really tough team to beat. But a draw is not uh, totally out of the question. I mean, uh, you know, Paul, I was impressed by Scotland on Wednesday. Um, mm-hmm. talked about the hunger the desire of what we win which obviously should all be prerequisites but I don't think has been with Scotland a lot of times you know I've felt in the past for example we've talked about Wales even the Republic of Ireland they've progressed and stuff because of that desire and the passion they feel and I didn't feel that's happened with Scotland whereas now I see the hunger going right through the squad 
I think that's absolutely bang on. To be honest, I think Clarkson's still a good, a good mentality about them, and he's he's got a squad of players that want to be there for one. It's, it's not. I think years gone by, it's almost like a chore for certain players to get called up for Scotland. And you guys, pull, you call up guys like Tom Kearney, who mm. basically didn't give a monkeys and pull you at the squads left, right and centre, Matt Phillips, Matt Ritchie. We've now got a squad of players that might not be the highest level of them, but they, they all want to be there. And what was really impressive the other night was um, we were missing quite a few players because of the COVID stuff. Yeah. And everyone that came in knew, knew their job, knew what they were doing. It, there was no difference between who came in and... There wasn't a massive drop off in quality, and that's really encouraging. I think. I even noticed, Paul. I don't know if you did yourself. People like McTominay supporting the team for the sidelines. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a daft friendly that really is just a kickabout. Can what I mean? But and I also felt I don't see Dougie in the highlights. You know, Tierney runs forward and hits a shot early doors, and that sets the tone. People right. say, listen, yeah. what do you worry about here, Ken? Yeah, yeah. I think well, Tierney's going to be a massive player. This uh, play is going to be. Uh, not going to take any bad knocks in the first game or two, um, but yeah, just just uh, real ballsiness. It's not like you're sort of like just giving them the ball and sitting and hope for the best. Um, some good moves I saw in the highlights. Transfer Dykes early on, him nice working well with Forrest mm-hmm. up the line. Yeah. <laughs> um, Armstrong, a really uh, uh, good looking player in terms of linking from defence to attack. Um, just good with both feet. Uh, maybe should have played more minutes for Scotland mm. before this, um, but uh, now he's looking like he's got a chance. He's got enough more of a look in, which I think is definitely beneficial to us. Um, but yeah, it's got me. It's certainly got me more buzzing for the tournament than I was before that game. I have to admit. Yeah. I think what excited, excited me as well is that like, although we had that attitude and desire, we actually played some good stuff as well. Mm. It wasn't just all up, like, you know, a bit bluster about us. It was. Actually, good controlled possession yeah. at times as well against a good team. I mean, the second goal is a great goal, you know. I mean, that's a, that is, that's a fantastic goal. Like the, the desire for Robertson, he won the defensive header and then was at the other end of the pitch linking up to get the crossing. Mm. That kind of desire in a friendly is, is tremendous. So it's, it's exactly what you want for your captain as well. And I, the thing as well we've got to take is. A lot of people just dismiss it and go, it's a friendly and Holland might not be up for it. Holland were up for it. Like, they've not been at a major tournament for like, missed the last two. Mm. So they, they're going to go into this with a bit of momentum as well. I don't think they were phoning it in by any means. I just think they're not particularly great. But you've still got to give Scotland credit for, for how they performed, I think. And I think we need, at this point, Paul, mention um, Liam Carrigan and Chris Kajawa, who completely wrote off Scotland <laughs> pre-tournament, pre-Holland-Netherlands uh, game. Um, and and they're now kind of um, you know looking like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I think good thing that maybe came with the, the equaliser as much as it was a signal is it's maybe tempered the expectations. I think if we'd won that, everybody would think that we're away to win it. I mean the flags would be in the gardens and stuff. Well, it's not that we've not got a history of that or anything. You know, it's um, you know watching stuff because obviously now the TV's starting to get fully football stuff and nostalgia stuff and you know you just look back on things like 1978 and you know having a having a, having a victory lap before the tournament starts is, uh, is typical fucking Scotland and Ali McLeod being asked what are you going to do after this World Cup Ali he's retaining it yeah. <laughs> okay just uh, just before we go as well like, what my bold like? prediction is as good as in sorry we've gone like no <laughs> 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 we're off somewhere there is I, I actually think England are going to get knocked out in the last 16 as good as they are and they could go deep like the winners of our group play France, 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 France. France. 
I was looking at that, I was speaking to my brother about that last night, and think, we were thinking, is there a way they could maybe engineer not winning the group by like starting well and then sort of uh, manipulating it a bit into their favour? Because they do win the group, you're right, Paul. They're going to play someone just like very good and very uh, one of the teams they probably just get outclassed by yeah. in the past, which is brilliant. So part, I, I, think mean, that, I mean, as much as I, I love that to happen, part of me also wants England to get to the final and get beat. You know, <laughs> Someone like that, you know, because um, I remember night and Euro 96, we'll talk about later. You know, that was phenomenal getting beat off in the semis. The final would be even better. Okay. So that's our groups. Now we've got to talk about some players, players to watch out for, players we think will do well in the tournament. They maybe have form, don't have form. You might know them, you might not know them, etc. So I'll give you my three first. Uh, my first one is Manuel Locatelli of Italy. I think he's basically the linchpin of the Italy side. Most passes in the Serie A last season. And, um, you know, I kind of think with teams like Italy, you need to pass the ball. You know, Italy used to be phenomenal at wearing teams down. You know what I mean? To get that kind of thing. So, he's one to look out for, centre midfield. Um, the other one, we've t- we talked about France. Um, I just think this is it for him, is Kylian Mbappe. I think he is, you know, still incredibly young, but scored 78 goals since the last World Cup. You know, for a guy that's basically a winger, it's, it's fucking bad gone. Um, and I think in this French team, you know, with the right kind of, this kind of platform, this could be the tournament he really, really shines. The last one I'm going to give you, and this is going to be dependent on game time, is David Turnbull. I think the range of passing that David Turnbull's got, combined with the kind of quality, that he could be the one guy that turns the screw for Scotland. You know, particularly when, you know, you've got to admit that probably Scotland will have a game where we're chasing it. And some, and you know, quite often managers will throw strikers on and think that's it. I don't think that's ever the case. You've got to get a guy on to supply the ball. I think strikers get in the way of each other you know, when they're all going for the same ball. And Turnbull is the guy that can unlock the door for that kind of thing. You know, I'm not expecting him to be Scotland's main man, but I think if he gets his chance, he could really show himself up. Um, what about yourself, Paul? Um, I, I've gone for Yao Felix in Portugal. Um, mm-hmm. He's a bit similar. It depends on how much game time he gets because Portugal has so many good players. But he's a, a winger for Atletico Madrid. I think something like 125 million or something mm-hmm. uh, euros that ben, he was bought for Benfica, and he's maybe not quite hit the heights that, that you'd expect for that kind of price tag. But he still had a good season for the, for them. Obviously, they won the league. Um, I just think if he gets a chance, he could catch fire. He's a really exciting player. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite. I'm hoping he gets a, gets a chance to to show what he can do because I, I think watching young players, only 21, watching players that break the World Cups and Euros. It's kind of what it's all about, like the next big thing. So I think he could be on that level if he gets the chance. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is Alexander Isaac, Sweden, forward, um, plays for Real Sociedad. He, he got something like 17 goals in La Liga last season. And I think he was he's probably got a far better chance of getting a game now that Zlatan was injured. And I think he's one that, that, that could catch the eye as well. He's a really exciting, quick, technical player. He's got a good eye for goal. And the other one that I went for is Pedri at Spain. He's only he's only 18, but he played over 50 times for Barca this season. Mm-hmm. So today that 18 is, you're obviously not, not a bad player. He's only got a handful of caps, but it's part of the, the new sort of generation they're trying to bring through. But he's another one, like attacking midfielder, intelligent, technically brilliant, quick. 
he probably didn't have enough in terms of goals and assists about his game for somebody that plays in that role. But I think that'll come, especially at that age. But he, he's one I think will really could stand out. Excellent. What about yourself, Dougie? Right, three I've gone for. I mentioned Ukraine earlier. The boy I've picked from them is uh, Ruslan Malinovsky, um, attacking mid for Atalanta. Uh, left-footed, really silky player, sort of your modern technician. Um, watched a lot of Atalanta this season, and uh, actually watched Malinovsky play against France mm-hmm. in France in one of the qualifiers, and he was one of the best players in the park. Mm. And that's against one of the probably the tournament favourites. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be one of the key players. I've got a guide where a recent post guide they've got in Ukraine, their star man's going to be Zinchenko. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the captain for uh, Ukraine, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's, I think they're wrong with that. I think Malinovsky will be the main guy, really. Um, takes, he took penalties for um, Atlanta as well. I think he takes them for Ukraine too. Next one was, I mentioned Turkey as well. Centre forward Burek Yilmaz um, coming to the end. This, this might be his last sort of, uh, swan song in terms of a tournament. But mm-hmm. he had a great season with Leo, 16 and 28, won the yeah. league. Mm-hmm. All action, uh, very old school centre forward, hustle and bustle. Could score like tap ins, but then turn and hit one in from 30 yards. Uh, see him score a couple of free kicks as well. And another the boy that uh, came to bite us as well, I think bite of, just because he might be their main man, is Memphis Depay. Mm. A player that really pisses me off at times, maybe by the way he looks with the tattoos and the ro- rolled down socks and <laughs> things he tries in the box, but he's got that sort of bag of tricks where it might just be the difference and there'll be a lot of tight games. Um, he scored 20 goals for Leon last season mm-hmm. as well. Um, and uh, again, recent poster tip on him is a good place for um, top like uh, for top goal scorer because you only need to get two or three to have a chance uh, in that sort of market. Like so, yeah, that's my three there. I mean, Memphis Depay actually, you know, he, he reminds me of Wilfred Zaha a lot. Like he, two players that probably went to Man United too early in their careers didn't really, you know, <coughs> shine like they thought they would, and then they've gone on to become what they are actually have their ability. You know, I think I think that's right as well because there's a bit of arrogance about both of them as well because yeah. they feel that Man U it's like oh they're not a top player like yeah. players kind of go away and improve and Depay Depay's an excellent player yeah. he's not he's not scared to dive as we've seen the other night <laughs> as well which, which can be uh, helpful that's one thing we're going to have to that's maybe a, he's talked about not winning the game was maybe good for us I think uh, that sort of incident was probably good for us as well because we're going to have to be quite streetwise mm-hmm. with a few refs um, I don't know I've no idea who what refs we're going to get for certain games it's been well, interesting England game the good thing is it's not going to be any Scottish refs <laughs> so we should be alright um, but what we've got to do now is we've got to take you through three campaigns in Scotland previously the European Championships <coughs> we'll do it in chronological order so I'll go first with Euro 92 now <clears throat> you know this, we're going back to 1990 when the qualifying campaign started First game, Scotland 2, Romania 1. There was only 12,000 there. Um, now, that, I'll tell you what that was, right? That's a combination of Scotland not doing very well in the World Cup and the fans being pissed off about it and shows you the level of expectation back then. And Scotland never really taken the European Championships that seriously. In fact, I believe this week Andy Roxburgh was told, he said that uh, when he went into the job, he was told to use the European Championships to blood players in. 
rather than actually try and qualify. But of course, uh, John Robertson scored for uh, Scotland that night, Paul. Um, you know, you probably never forgot that. <laughs> um, and McCoy got the winner against a good Romania team, obviously. Hadji got to the qualify. Uh, second round, the island knocked him out. Uh, next game, 2 1 victory against uh, Switzerland. Remember the scorers for that one, Paul? Nope. Sorry, no, sorry. Robertson again, and Gary McAllister. Uh, then we got a one-all draw in Bulgaria. Uh, McCoist got the Scotland goal that night, and fucking hell, did quite well. And then it was a back-to-back scenario with Bulgaria, and we drew one all at home with them. Um, John Collins scoring the Scotland goal. Uh, now here's one for you. We went to San Marino. Then I think it was the first time Scotland ever played San Marino. One-two-0. Mm. Any idea of the scorers? In ninety. No, McCoist. No. No sure. Gordon Strachan and Gordon Jury. Jury. There you go. Um, then we make Switzerland drew two all. We're getting beat two and out. Uh, and then Jury McCoy scored late doors for Scotland. I remember that game well. It was played in Bern because I was in the ground a couple of years later. Um, and then we got beat uh, in Romania seventy five minutes. He backs to the wall stuff. I remember it well before a wonder goal from. Nope. Who else? I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't remember this coffin campaign at all. I was, uh, I was still in nothing. And in the last game, Scotland 4, San Marino 0, McStay, Goff, Jury McCoyst. Scotland won the group with 11 points. There you go. <laughs> no bad, eh? So, we get to the, the, the tournament, and of course, the tournament is in complete disarray because of what's happening in Yugoslavia. Um, and they're t- talking about um, should we even just scrap it, you know, because how can you have a tournament this that next thing? But that then means that they get pumped out and Denmark come in, um, and of course, going to win the fucking tournament. Um, now, Scotland's group was, of course, the Netherlands, Germany, and the, what they were called then, the CIS, which I believe is also an insurance company. Um, <laughs> Now, the first game, uh, Scotland and against the Netherlands, uh, Scotland played really well, has to be said. It was actually my 18th birthday, believe it or not, shows how long ago that was. 35,000 there, and uh, Bergkamp scored in 75th minute, which has to be said, I don't know if you look back on the goals, it was Gandhi Gorham's fault, you know, basically, did they bottle to come out and close them down, eh? Second game, Scotland-Germany, only 17,000 there. Bizarre at a major championship. Yeah, I mean, good Scotland. I mean, that was Scotland supporters, has to be said, eh? But Scotland, I, I can remember this game. I mean, Scotland played Germany off the park the first half hour. I mean, they, I think they hit the bar and hit the post three times. Headers uh, for Goff, McPherson, chances all over the place. Germany went right up the pitch. Han, uh, Caroline Driedler, boom, one now. Another one we are, I mean, he showed you, you're playing against Jurgen Klinsmann. And Richard Goff was probably at his peak at the time. But Klinsman just shielded the ball for him so well to allow Riedler the space to just knock it past Gorham, you know. And then if you remember, the second goal was a complete fluke. Effenberg cut across, the, the, took a deflection and just looped right over Gorham's head. Um, also noticeable was the fact that the... You know what song was played before uh, for the Scottish National Anthem in this tournament? Oh... I've heard it before, but I can't remember so much. Scotland the Brave. <laughs> and it was awful. It was absolutely awful. 
you know, at least with Flower of Scotland, I'm not a fan of Flower of Scotland, but the players know the words. You could see them standing there like, what the fuck is this? And um, it might always reminded me of Frank Skinner story, where he said that um, West Brom played Dynamo Moscow in the UEFA Cup, and they played um, God Save the Queen for West Brom, and because they couldn't find the Russian national anthem, they played Tears from Moscow by Kenny Lynch. But of course, Scotland being Scotland, as I say, he played really well in the Germany game as well. And you've got to remember Germany. Look at Germany's form coming into this, right? I mean, they won the World Cup in 74. They get beaten the final of the European Championship 76. 78, they're not that great. 80, they won the European Championship. 82, they're in the final of the World Cup. 84, semis of the European Championship. 86, final of the World Cup. Uh, 88, uh, final, sorry, semi-final of the Euros, 1990 World Cup winners, and then Scotland played them in the Euros, you know what I mean? And this is in their first, they're unified as well. Last game, Scotland 3, CIS 0, McStay, McClare, McAllister. Um, still equal Scotland's best ever result in a major tournament. Um, I remember the goals well, that was Brian McClare's first ever goal for Scotland. Um, he had went in a long run. McStay was a screamer, and McAllister, again, decent. Only 14,000 at that game. Um, made famous for the Scottish supporter molesting the Swedish policewoman. Um, and Andy Roxford are claiming victory in the tournament after it. Um, but it was, a, it was a good tournament for Scotland. First ever time they were in the European Championships, incredibly enough. And never disgraced ourselves in any game, um, perhaps because um, they never really played a minnow. To get mm. both, you know, but in all game, and one other wee fact: all Scotland games were played in eighty-five degrees or over heat. So the Peely Wally McCalls and all that probably were melting. <coughs> and of course, as I say, Denmark went and win the tournament, um, beating Germany in the final. Peter Schmeichel, um, man of the tournament, having been dragged off a beach to go there. So I'll hand you over to our correspondent Doogie, who's going to talk about Euro 96. Right, so our group for qualifying was we had Russia, uh, Greece, Finland and, I can't believe it, Faroe Islands and San Marino. <laughs> Imagine what we do for a group like that uh, these days, and probably still fuck it. But, um, um, and that, that was uh, the Russia. I mean, the way it panned out, um, Russia went on to to win the group, and they were no mugs. They scored a lot of goals in this group, but we'll get to that. Um, so first game, um, I actually remember this game. So I remember the first goal. Um, we beat Finland away two 0 uh-huh. and uh, Duncan Shearer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, scored the first goal and I remember it was a, a cro- I watched it again to the week crossover and he's fucking he's probably headed the, the defender's head harder than the ball and then he's got he's, he goes in and it's just emerged and he's got this like fucking like <laughs> blood streaming down his face and it's like whoa but uh, I don't know how old was that but nine years old so that was a bit I of a shock to do that but. just a tangent do you, we, I actually watched that in Paul Seuss that game Aye. And obviously Paul would only be about the same age as yourself And his older brother Mark was maybe there And he didn't appear And this was a you know kind of pre-mobile phone pre-mobile, So nobody had a clue But then of course the game started Nobody gave a fuck So <laughs> we watched the game 
and we were all kind of like, I think Colin, has Colin scored a second goal? If I, That's right, yeah. So we watched the game, delighted Scotland won and all the rest of it, and thing went, and then about an hour after the game finished, his brother Mark came in, burst the door open and went, Shira, Shira, <laughs> and then <laughs> collapsed on the couch and fell asleep. What had basically happened was he'd had to work late and knew he wouldn't get you back to the game, so he watched it in a pub and it was ended up paralytic. <laughs> Oh, great stuff. Um, so through the group, next game we played Faroe Isles at home. Um, some better crowds for this one, Paul. The first one there looking over twenty thousand, obviously a lesser uh, capacity at Hamden. Uh, that was a five-one win. McKinley, Booth, uh, Collins, double Billy McKinley. Uh, but a concession of a goal against Faroe at home. It's uh, not always good. Um, and then we're next we played the Russians at home mm-hmm. um, obviously that would have been the big game 31,000 plus which must have been off not far off a full house um, Aye, I think at the time Doogie Hamden was being redeveloped yeah I, I was at well I was at one of the games uh, I was at the Finland game at home Aye. that was one of the last home games we played and I remember being like it was when Hamden you had the north east and west Aye. as it is now we had like the Queen's Park main stand, mm-hmm. so I've got sort of brief memory mm-hmm. that it looked kind of strange. Aye. Um, but anyway, aye, so we drew one all with the Russians at home. Uh, Scott Booth, again, uh, quite a decent uh, Don's uh, contribution to this campaign. What do you think he scored Booth as a player? Do you? I thought he was a great player. I really did. Oh, aye, that was. Well, we had that was a real like array. Uh, Good forwards we had at that mm-hmm. time with Jess Booth and Shearer mm-hmm. and then Todd's as well when he came in. Uh, oh, he was a cracking player. Yeah. Even when he actually came back, because uh, he played for he played for Dortmund abroad, right. uh, played in Holland as well. And he came back under, um, I don't know if it was Patterson that signed him actually. Um, and uh, he still had a bit of class about him. Mm-hmm. And a totally shite team, but he still had his moments. Uh, but I... Radchenko scored for Russia uh, so that was a 1-1 draw mm-hmm. and then one of the other big game our next our first away game in, uh, sorry away game in Greece we got beat 1-0 yeah. to a penalty um, but then a good draw away to Russia and a 0-0 I've got a feeling that's the game Jim Layton was absolutely amazing at. yeah I was, my brother, I was speaking to my brother about that I couldn't find any highlights mm. of the game but he, uh, he seemed to uh, mentioned that later an absolute ah, stormer. He did. He did. Um, that's what you need. Uh, that sort of thing. That sort of uh, campaign against the big teams, where we probably have that, and then some would still score a, scre- a screamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our other away away games against the lesser sides, we just we basically it's almost like it was just like we could be declared at 2-0 we won 2-0 in Finland 2-0 at San Marino and 2-0 in the Faroes <laughs> we look at the other teams they're absolutely scalping them even Finland are winning 4-0 in the Faroes <laughs> Russia racked up a couple of games Russia actually beat Finland away 6-0 in this campaign wow so they were die yeah, that just goes to show how good the draws were against yeah. them I think I think it shows as well it's, it's been Scotland's downfall and like why we've not qualified recent years is we've 2-0 2-0 that's just routine you know what I mean but now we drop 
well, recently, we've dropped stupid points to like the bottom two seats well, in almost every campaign. For me, Paul, well, what used to happen quite a lot, even going back to the 80s, was when we went to games like that away from him, we always had that one quality player who could dig a suit, whether mm. it was a Dalgleish or a Sunas or McStay or somebody like that, even Jim Bett and people like that. They always could just have that bit quality that made, made the difference. and Because um, the defence was always pretty solid. Okay, I mean... But, you know, you'd bite your hand off for a 2-0 in Finland now, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of what I mean. Though, you, look at our, you look at our campaigns from maybe like 2000 onwards and there's daft points dropped away to bottom seeds and second bottom seeds in every campaign and it's completely undone us. I mean, just before Dougie goes on, Paul, um, what's your worst Scotland away game in terms of result, performance, etc? 4-0 uh, in Norway. Fucking oh, horror show. Bullwell Brothers. Aye, we went into that quite confident, thinking with a good chance, and then uh, Caldwell got sent off quite early doors, and then Burley never tried to shut up shop, and we just got absolutely steamrolled. Carew ran ran right. Carew, uh, and then I mean, having a massive argument with my brother Chris when we came out because everybody was gutted, and he's gone. It's all right if we beat Holland on Wednesday. I was like, makes you think we're going to turn around and beat Holland after that? We got fucking scudded. and then we had bleeding argument in the middle of the middle of the Scotland fans. Not like you. And Chris to have an argument <laughs> I'll just say actually on that Doogie on a quick tangent when my second child was uh, baptised Paul and Chris had the mother and father of all arguments the night before the christening unbeknown to me obviously so Chris turns up first and he's like alright how you doing blah 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 and I was, never mentions a word Paul turns up he's like listen I'm really sorry but I- I'm going to kill Chris today like <laughs> what? And basically, <laughs> they, they had an argument in Chris's house that ended up in his, in his stair, if I'm right, Paul? Oh, God, I fucking can't even remember. It was, it was because I didn't agree with him, I'd be hurt. <laughs> and you, was it your mother had to separate you? <laughs> it was never going to get physical, but it was pretty, it was pretty verbal. Ah, okay, back to you, Dougie. <laughs> right, okay, so going about the 2 nils, away to San Marino, then I go for Collins mm. and a. Sealer from Colin Calderwood. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Collector's item. Collector's item, that. And uh, going through 2 0 away to Pharaoh's McKinley, John McGinley. John McGinley, aye. Uh, love the dentist. Um, <laughs> who else do we have? Aye. And in the big game, I do remember this game. I wasn't at it or I wasn't on TV, but big game against Greece at home. Mm-hmm. I think I remember listening to the radio on my. Uh, Mum and dad, old mum and dad's house in the kitchen, and uh, McCoy scored by fifty with about twenty minutes to go. That's right. And uh, that was a massive goal. Um, and uh, I remember watching the highlights that night as well. And then the next game was the game we were at. Uh, first ever Scotland game I went to, I think actually Scotland Finland, one 0 win. Scott Booth again. He finished top scorer in this campaign along with John Collins on. Uh, Four goals each, but I've got a wee quiz question for you. Uh, we've been wanting to beat San Marino 5 0 in the last last home game. Goals from Ian Jess, Scott Booth, McCoist, Pat Nevin, and OG. Um, so we qualified in second. Russia were group winners. Uh, it was best best second place, but I think obviously there was eight groups. So we had obviously England were already there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think seven out of eight would have got through. Yeah. Uh, so we'd be very unlucky not to get through in second. Uh, but what I was going to ask you is, 
the top the top scorer in that group uh, did not play for Russia or Scotland. Finished on seven goals. Um, and I wonder if you could name him. Mm. We do know him. He's uh, played and managed in the Scottish Premier. Scottish Premier. Not for Russia or Scotland. Was it Maxu? Pat Lyon. Aye. Correct. Oh, good shout that. Scored the beat San Marino at home 4 1. They scored all four. <laughs> um, aye, so well done to Big Mix. I actually had a fucking altercation with him at Haymarket Station once. Where he tried to put the heat on me. I swear to God. It was 2004. <laughs> And uh, I'd come out, it was a roasting whole day, it was the last game of the season, I'd come out and I was standing in the taxi rank at uh, Hingman, I'd go to get in the taxi, and the next thing I felt somebody pushed me in the back, and it was Darren Dodds, right? There was another guy there, and then the Mixu was there, and for some reason, they were all steaming as well, they'd go into their heat that I'd jumped them in the taxi rank, and were jumping in their taxi, and Mixu was like, oh you eh, you're a fucking joke, you eh, like this, <laughs> and I went, fuck off you dick, and he fucking went, he'd butt me and fell. No, no hard, but he fell basically doing that, and I was away, thank fuck. But he's a big unit, a guy, like you know. Right. One other thing I'll say about the the playoffs, I actually went to one of the playoffs. Can you, there's a quiz question for you. Who, did, who would it have been, mate? It was. Uh, well, I know this. I'll let Paul, I guess. There's a one-off game, Paul. No, it was Republic Ireland against Holland or Netherlands at Anfield. Uh, and, um, I remember that, like. I went to it, and it was um, Patrick Cliver at his absolute peak. He was the mm. difference. He scored two that night, and he was nineteen year old, I think, and he was fucking outstanding. But aye, that was at Anfield. Eh? Okay. Right, so like, we're there, and obviously our group for the uh, we draw England. I think we've just done now. Uh, Switzerland mm. and Holland. Uh, so first game we're playing obviously Holland maybe the you think maybe the toughest game and it's sort of watching watched sort of went back and watched a bit of highlights always in my mind always remember Gorham had a bit of a stormer mm-hmm. this game uh, but going back to the highlights I didn't see as many saves as I thought um, we didn't have particularly many chances ourselves this was played at Villa Park mm-hmm. um, and McAllister was actually given man of the match for this game um, and there's a couple of wee breaks, wee sniffs, there's a good free kick, but uh, apart from that, a good start, 0-0 draw, and England draw their first game against Switzerland, uh, conceding a, a penalty, mm-hmm. and a boy tucks it away, Turkey Maz. Aye, I remember that, aye. And uh, so that's well, already picks up the Wembley game against England to be even bigger than it was before, and well, we all know the rest. Um, Fucking Yuri Gill. Mm-hmm. Aye. I just got to say actually, you said you seen a good few saves for Gorham against Hot uh, Netherlands. There was also a good one for John Collins. Yes, uh, aye, the best, the real sort of jo- Josh Meekings esque save. <coughs> well, let's not uh, that one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, aye, so for the England game, they scored just after half time. Shearer were ahead at the back post, and we come back into the game and uh, get the penalty. Uh, that's actually, I think Stephen actually makes a really good save from I think it's Judy before that that's right aye, aye. Uh, and Judy does well to win the penalty and you think like yes we're fucking back in this and I just remember uh, uh, seeing the penalty just uh, just thinking it's going to just land a rebound and so it's going to put it in everyone's going to be alright but obviously it's just 
got a great sort of palm on it. It's gone away, and then I think it was actually only a couple of minutes later that Gaza goes up and mm-hmm. scores that goal. Um, yeah. And then it got a real sinking you know, feeling. Do you know what? I, I mean, any defeat to anyone is bad, and I think the major tournament's worse. But you know what was even worse than that? Is the fact that it was the th- that's the day the Three Lions song was really bur- born. Yeah, aye. We were all singing it like fuck at the end of the game and all that, you know. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think that was that was really the one. This was the tournament that England should have won. I mm. think uh, um, in terms of since fucking '66. I think obviously if they got through uh, that semi-final, they probably they would have won. I think. Aye. Um, aye. The. Good old Germans again. But last game we played Switzerland, must win game. And we had things to go our way. Uh, before he scored his absolute cracker of a goal, McCoy's had a couple of really good chances. Mm-hmm. I think it's been up going to be their night. But uh, I remember watching seeing the goal. My dad was actually at the game, I think he was by in the whole end. Mm-hmm. Uh Park, just behind the goal for folk who didn't know. And the way it's really straight, it's almost like a golf shot the way he hits the, the ball like a fade. He just catches it and it's going outside the, the net and then back in so the, the keeper's never getting there mm-hmm. uh, it's absolute beauty uh, but sadly England done their best to do us a favour but Clive the man you just mentioned Aye. he didn't actually I looked he didn't I thought he actually started any of the group games for Holland mm-hmm. uh, it was boy I think Johan Cruyff seemed to get a nod ahead of him I think at the time Dougie there was this big sort of split in the Dutch camp between the blacks and the whites mm. and photographs were starting to come out of them sitting at lunch and they were all separated by colour um, and they were basically tearing each other apart and I think that was one of the things Jordi Cruyff being um, picked before Patrick Clive and Jordi Cruyff ended up getting a move to Man United on the back here uh, I think they denied the stuff about the race though didn't they but there was, it was pretty evident that there was a big split I, you, the, 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 table, the dinner tables were right here. it was at the hotel they were, were massive they were all sitting at different tables and stuff and they weren't a happy camp like yeah um, so yeah unfortunately we went out on goal difference to the Dutch yeah, so that was a bit of a sickener but again that's our own downfall we only scored one goal in the tournament out of three games so um, that's something we really need to improve on this time Um Really come back to bite you in the last game. Uh, but obviously the Germans went on to win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah, that was probably one of the first tournaments I can remember fully in terms of nostalgic sense. Uh, some iconic moments. Uh, Karol Poborski, we scoop. Everyone was trying that in the playground yeah, days yeah, after. Yeah. yeah. Um, Davor as well, worth mm-hmm. a mention here. The cracking. That was the sort of. That, I think that was the start of Croatia. Obviously, they're not really working really a country for that long before that. Right, I see. Uh, uh, that, I always remember that goal at Hillsborough uh, over Schmeichel, making him look pretty daft. Aye. But, uh, another, another guy that got a move to Man United on the back of that tournament, Poborski. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. No, not great after it, obviously. Okay, okay, so moving swiftly on. And we go to Euro 2000. Well, kind of, we kind of didn't go, but Paul's going to tell us why. <laughs> Aye, so I think we're escaping the barrel for uh, appearances when we're having to talk through just a qualifying campaign in the, <laughs> the well, well, look, it's got a good ending, so <laughs> um, Aye, so the Euro 2000 qualifiers 
it became interesting the back of France '98, so that was obviously disappointing in how we yeah. performed, and it felt like it was an end of the road for a few players. But it kind of limped on, and you shouldn't have done. This should have been the chance to lead a, a much younger team, but Craig Brown wasn't really a man for doing that. Um, the group itself was a uh, Czech Republic, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Lithuania, Estonia. And the Pharaohs, and obviously the Czechs have been brilliant. At, um, the Czechs have been brilliant in Euro '96, but they hadn't qualified for France '98. Uh-huh. So while they were a good team, I think we went into it thinking we had a good chance, which was um, <laughs> proven to be nonsense because the Czechs absolutely wiped the group and won 10 out of 10. <laughs> I think we're the only team out of all the qualifying groups to have maximum points. Mm-hmm. But um, it was off to a, off to a fly right away. We were away to Lithuania. And drew nil nil, which at that point was a, a terrible result. Like Lithuania were not a good team. We we completely laboured in in that game, and it was there was nothing to write home about at all. Mm. And we followed that up um, a couple of months later with a game at Tynecastle. I think Hampton was under uh, get, still getting developed. They played Estonia at Tynecastle. I was that game. I was that was my first Scotland game actually, my first ever one. Um, and we beat them three two, but we had to come through behind uh, yeah. twice. And we scored twice in the last 10 minutes. Billy Dodd scored the, the winner. Mm. And we were pretty, pretty poor. I remember Leighton making a mistake for one of the goals. Um, and bizarrely, this was a double header. We played the Pharaohs four days later, but uh, Leighton retired in between the two games. <laughs> he, he pulled it pulled the squad and then uh, said that, that was him done. So I don't know if it was the, the Estonia game or that mistake, if he got a bit stick. Mm. Um, and we followed up with a win over the Pharaohs but it was 2-1 at home that was at Pataudry uh, Burley and Dodds scored for us and we conceded a, a penalty with five minutes to go and it ended up being far nervier than it should have been for a home game against the Pharaohs and, and like this is still the nucleus in the 98 team so they shouldn't have been struggling mm. in, in the manner we what um, after that we played the Czech so this was a big head to head the one that you kind of had to had to get a result was at Celtic Park like 45,000 I was at that game as well and we lost comfortably the Czechs were miles better we, we conceded an own goal after about half an hour Matt Elliott and then Smeacher scored about five minutes later and you kind of thought the game was going to run away for you at that point we, we got a bit of a foothold and pulled one back we, uh, Jess scored I was at that game as well I might have like where uh, I think McAllister got fucking hounded yep. I was just going to say McAllister got booed off which was ridiculous because like, it, it was just a scapegoat because he wasn't good but so were half the team pushed that night and McAllister obviously then jacked it after that but he, he went into another five years at the top level playing for Liverpool and stuff and yeah. instrumental under Hooley and we could probably have done with him in that spell when we were really struggling but I didn't particularly blame the guy for chucking it to be honest and then after that game it was a, a bad result uh, we followed up with the Pharaohs away and drew one off Uh Alan Johnson scored for Scotland and we were, we were pretty comfortable like, as far as I remember it. Alan Johnston? Aye. He scored a couple in this campaign. Well, the boy that used to be in the Labour Party. <laughs> no, fuck it. I mean, some of the names you're throwing out, you forget. Matt Elliott, you know what I mean? Oh, God. Okay, I know. Johnson scored and we were pretty comfortable as you'd expect against the Pharaohs but we conceded, we never got the second and we conceded with four minutes to go. And this is the thing that everybody remembers, like, Volk's getting stick for the Pharaohs and that, like, Brown chucked up some absolute hillers in this group. Uh, and he's still got another campaign off the back yet. I've got to admit, I was at, see, see that, uh, that Farewells game we're talking about, the Bertie Volk's one? 
Mm. Me and my brother were actually at a fucking at a wedding in England that day. <laughs> they got the absolute pish. Maybe so they edited the speeches to get to fit that in. Just to say, oh, thanks for that, that table. The Scottish are not oh, ripping the piss out of us the whole day. Yeah, I'll never forget that. I mean, I must admit, Paul, when, I heard, when you read out the group, I was like, how the fuck do we not qualify for this? <laughs> I know. Well, this is this is the thing. It was a, it was a bit of a shocker. Um, I'll go through my results, but Craig Brown at the end of the campaign was boasting, saying, I've never lost two games on the bounce competitively. I'm like... Aye, but if you lose one and then draw with the Pharaohs, it's as bad as a fucking defeat. Uh, we actually followed that, that game up. We went to the Czech Republic and we we kind of had to win at that point, which we never... We, we were 2 nothing up and absolutely cruising. We played some great stuff. I mean, Paul Ritchie scored an absolute towering header and then Johnson scored another header as well to put us two up and we were comfortable. And it's like, as soon as we got that second goal, we just felt to bits because they, they pulled one back Two oh, minutes I thought, after, see, I thought but, what you were going to see there, Paul, was we just felt a bit because uh, Paul Ritchie and Alan Johnson were playing for us. <laughs> um, Repka equalised, no, equalised, so he pulled one back about two minutes after Johnson's goal and then Kuka scored and then a couple of minutes later just wave after wave of pressure and Jan Collar scored with about two minutes to go. Uh, and that actually, that actually sealed qualification for for the Czechs and Real does it. So it was all due to basically having to better... Bosnia at that point to, to get to the, the playoff spot and we played them away from home which I think was a, it was quite a tricky game but we won 2-1 uh, Don Hutchison scored they pulled them back and then Dodge scored uh, in the half time and we, we held on that night actually I remember clear as, clear as day because we were going up to my auntie's house for the fireworks right for, for everybody all the older folk were having a drink and we were watching fireworks because the house looked over in the Leith Park you could see them and it was like my brother Stephen had just had his burn, and I think it was his first night out since since having him. And as we were gone out, my mum was holding my nephew and went to lean over the back fence to show him to my, my neighbour. And my mum fell off the step and dropped the burn on his head. <laughs> that explains but, a lot. And um... my fell over. Pretty sure she broke her ankle, but she didn't want to make a, a big scene because she dropped she dropped the burn. And at that point, Stephen had, Stephen's night was ruined, and he had to go up to the hospital with the burn because. My nephew Cam was just screaming and then stopped. And he never made a noise for about an hour. Like, oh, for fuck's sake. So, of course, needless to say, I still went out and watched the game at Manny's house and left them all to deal with <laughs> Left them to deal with the, the hospital. Did you watch the fireworks or not? I did, eh? <laughs> Best firework I think was uh, Dodds' winner. So, wait, what, you, is this 1999 by now, is it? Aye. Right, Aye, okay. September 1999. Right, okay. Um, oh, the. はい、はい。はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、はい、は
the second spot in the next two games would be Bosnia at home John Collins scored a penalty early doors mm. that was at Ibrox I think mm-hmm. and then we were back at Hamden for the last game and we beat Lithuania 3-0 Hutchison McSwiggan and Cameron McSwiggan scored. Okay, no. had a really good season for us that year he scored just under 20 goals for Hutch um, but aye, was, we, were up, we were struggling for strikers at that point if McSwiggan was in the in the team. So we, we finished second, we got 18 points, but when you think about oh, that, we, we dropped Did points. fucking Hearthstone almost get relegated that season? Uh, 1999-2000? We, we were finished relatively strong. Oh, that was us, that was... We, we finished finish mid-table. That was the season Dan Jackson came in, wasn't it? Aye. aye. So we, we were doing the bottom for quite a while, I think, um, and then f- finished the season strongly. Uh, so, aye, so we finished second. We, we had 18 points, but when you consider we dropped points to all three of the bottom teams, it's a bit of a horror, surely, a campaign, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. And if we hadn't beaten Bosnia in that double header, it, it probably would have been time for Brent to go. But as it stands, we went into the playoffs against England. And it wasn't a vintage England team. Like, we never done particularly no. well in their group either. Um, Keegan was a manager, eh? He was, aye. And obviously the first game... We lost 2-0 at Hamden. Skull scored both goals. I honestly think Lambert getting his teeth knocked out in the, the old Firm game was a bit, right. was probably big, big ball. Let's just re- rewind a wee bit. Uh, getting his teeth knocked out by George Alberts that, that Rangers got a penalty for. <laughs> well, aye, aye. Um, I was right in front of that, actually. Right, So, you know when you're in the room low and looking right at the pitch, right in the front, front row, right there, and he's seen it happen, his face went purple. He broke his jaw, eh? Mm. Seven minutes he was um, basically being treated for and then the stretcher come on and all the rest of it. As he was gone off, you could see Dick Advocat screaming at him. No idea what the fuck was going on. And then the next thing, what happened is the referee walked over and gave them a penalty. That was bizarre. Like. And the funny thing was, just to go on, I'll tell you, uh, here's one for you. We had uh, we were 2-1 up at the time. Okay, uh, two... Here's a quiz question for you both. The same person set up both goals and the same person and then a different person scored both goals. Who were they? I can't remember that game. None of them are Celtic legends or, you know... Virtual? Nah. Not even close. Blinker? Nah. Ian Wright Wright set up both the goals and Ayo Berkovic scored both of them. Yeah. I forgot I forgot Wright was in actually well Mavuduka was involved as well but I was trying to make it a bit more interesting yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you're right I mean schools that day and there's a couple of things I want to pick out I was uh, at that game that day um, the God Save the Queen was booed like I'd never heard it before being booed Lovely. and that was a massive wake up call for the Huns of Scotland I think because previously you're kidding yourselves there's a lot of Huns used to go and watch Scotland um, and that sort of stopped after that and that's when they started wearing England tops you know at games and singing there's going to be the Tartan Army in Japan and all this kind of thing um, and that basically was caused by Braveheart <laughs> <laughs> I actually went to see Braveheart with your brother Mark in the Odeon and you know South Clark Street Odeon mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd been recommended because it wasn't that big a thing at the time, and I'd been recommended it by a boy at my work, so you need to go and see it. So, me and him went to see it that night, and I swear to God, we came out and there was an English boy selling the big issue, and I had to restrain Mark for attacking him. <laughs> 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 he came what he's like when he gets a bee in his bo- <laughs> you know what I mean? 
But uh, aye, and that's what the other all the Huns kind of went to the eye ready to come on England after that. Aye, that game I genuinely think Lambert being out was the. Mm. A big point, especially the first leg, because he's a guy that would have picked up skulls probably at, at both goals. I just did see that, didn't I? I don't know, but that's what I'm saying. But the first one, especially, was like, like a good ball, and from skulls' point of view, it was excellent. He's brought mm. on his chest and, and went round Hendry, but defensively, it was fucking hopeless from Scotland's point of view. Yeah. And I mean, Gallagher missed a really good chance at 1 0. I mind that I was at this game as well. I mind we had, after both goals, we had that chance, and not someone hit the bar after the second goal. I think it was, I can't who it was. Well, maybe Dodds? No, Dodds maybe. But, but once England went to up, it was never really in any danger. Yeah. It just completely, second half was just basically them keeping us at bay. So we went down there, obviously, with a point to prove him, and we were absolutely brilliant down there. Mm-hmm. We were excellent. Like Neil McCann, I remember, had a brilliant game. He was putting crosses in all night. Hutchison scored, obviously. Um, Daly had the heater mm. it seemed he made a great save from but if it went any other place apart from straight in his throat Barry Ferguson I think had a good game that night I know I remember Aye, Ferguson was really good um, but it was just typical Scotland 1-0 wasn't mm. enough didn't get the extra time uh, so it finished it was bittersweet because it was meant to be the last game at Wembley as well wasn't it Aye. so we, we had it so we had that in our uh, cap and then they rearranged a World Cup qualifier and postponed knocking Wembley and to play Germany and lost that one as well so and Keegan resigned right after that yeah. Yeah, did he did he he scored it was yeah. 35 yards didn't he just uh, pushing rain watched that we worked with my brother and my dad watched that in a hotel in Sheffield <laughs> just been to che- we just been to Chesterfield against Plymouth <laughs> fucking hell aye so it was, it was glorious failure in, in the playoffs and that was that's pretty much the, the story you, since is that who went on to win that tournament again? 2000 was... France. France, aye. You might have done a bit of research here. Just, uh, aye, no, was he? First ever silver goal winner. Aye. aye. Well, it was a golden goal, actually. Gold, aye. Was it against Italy? Aye. 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 And of course, they'd already won the World Cup two years before. Okay. So that brings us to penultimate thing. The lads didn't know what the last thing is yet. Uh-huh. We're going to go for our tournament winners, top scorer and dark horse. So I'll give you mine first. Uh, France is mine, just because of the quality, the quality of the, the, the squad and all that, and obviously the recent success. Uh, Griezmann is my top scorer. You know, you put up three during the week, Paul, and Harry Kane would be knocking on the door for me because for the first time in a while he's actually gone into something fit. Mm-hmm. I think anyway. Um, he's not got discovering for an injury that. And my dark horse is Scotland. I think if Scotland get through the group, we'll get to the semi-finals. That's what I'm going to predict right now. I think it's all about the psychological edge of getting over this group. If we get over this group stage, they'll be nice stopping us. I think it depends. I think we've oh, got a chance. Sense. I think we've got a chance to go in pretty far if we finish second. Because if we finish second, it'll be the runners-up who... Um, it's Poland versus Slovakia, pretty much. Because Spain, you think, would win the group. But if, if we finish third, then you're looking at the winners of B, the group B, C or E, which is like Belgium... Uh, Holland or Spain probably which makes it a, a, a lot trickier we've got to win the fucking group <laughs> <laughs> fuck's all this nonsense about finishing third England psychologically damaged by the World Cup semi-finals will get a fucking scabby draw against Croatia we'll hammer the Czech Republic and then we'll go to Wembley and qualify it's game over <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I'll, I'll go for mine then. So my winner, France as well. Mm-hmm. I just can't see past them. I think they've got the deepest squad. You like it, saying it, the word deep, don't you? <laughs> just because you're in the bedroom with the pillies and the cushions. Freudian, Freudian um, but they have, they've got, they've got depth in every every area of the, the team. And they haven't Benzema back, who's my, my tip for top scorer is Benzema. Because I think Giroud's a good forward, but he's, he's Benzema's just that level above. And in that mm-hmm. team, I think he'll, he'll thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think getting him back's a, a major major bonus for them. And my dark horse is Denmark. Um, I don't think they'll win it, but I think they'll, they'll go deep. <laughs> I is think this, is this on the back of that Jamie Lee Curtis photo, is it? <laughs> no, I do, I do think, because what I think is Denmark will finish second in their group, and then they're likely to get the likes of Switzerland or Turkey. And I think they're good enough to, to, to win that game. It's a favourable draw, and I think Denmark are a really solid team. Mm-hmm. They massive stars. Like, I don't think the guys like Ericsson they're a good team, yeah. and with the right draw, I think they could they could uh, do some damage in it. They're playing. A, they're playing. A, I think they're playing all their games at home as well. See the in that group they've got. Uh, they play Russia, who they're playing games in St Petersburg, but that game's in Copenhagen. Mm, that's interesting. So, okay, do you give us yours? Right. Um, I'll stick with the one I've, I was a bit with the De Bruyne injury in the Champions League final that kind of put me off but I'll stick with Belgium mm-hmm. my winners I think this is going to be the time where they click together um, they got some they got goals through a lot of players in their team I just think if De Bruyne and Lukaku link up and they're going to go for Lukaku as top scorer as well mm-hmm. um, I think he's the kind of guy that could in the groups put two or three pasts Maybe one or two teams if he gets going. Um, maybe taking penalties as well. Um, my dark horse, I'm going to go for Turkey. Ooh. Uh, I think that group they're in is uh, it's open enough for them. Um, I think they'll be quite well supported as well. They've got they're playing games in Baku and Azerbaijan. From one of my sources, that's effectively that. I think they're quite closest countries, not mm-hmm. only as geographical, but actually uh, sort of culturally as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I think they'll have a lot of the, maybe maybe an atmosphere, sort of home atmosphere might develop. As I say, in that first game, they might spring a wee surprise against Italy. Uh, and they seem they seem to play when they're like one of these countries that play more like a club team. Mm-hmm. And then, as, as uh, Paul mentioned, they, they took care of Holland in a qualifier quite uh, easily. So it shows they're no mugs, you know, they're scoring a lot of goals. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for the Turks. Well, just to round off, I thought, and we kind of touched on this during the week, um, we'd, we'd have a go at all the wankers who appear around football tournaments, um, particularly Scotland. Now, the obvious one for Scotland straight away are the Crankies. <laughs> um I didn't. I wasn't aware they actually done a song uh, in 1982 for the Scottish World Cup team, which was done with the choir from the paint from Paint Caitlin Primary School in East Logan. Um, you have to see this to believe this. Uh, it's all basically about getting on a plane. <laughs> I've honestly never heard. And heard that. you know the Crankies were always this fun jovial. Christmas panto type scenario thing and then Jeanette Cranky revealed years later they used to take part in orgies and uh, I've never really felt the same of them same about them ever since um, Andy Cameron obviously um, I mean that song 
it's when you actually analyse the lyrics, you know, um, Alistair McLeod being our Muhammad Ali. <laughs> and then, of course, we've got Paul, and I, I know you want to come on this, the ubiquitous Tam Cowan and Stuart Cosgrove. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mind. They're just, for me, they're just guys that are maybe like hung around for a bit long in terms of it's the same show and that all the time. And the, like, off the ball, and that used to be quite good, I, I think, but it, it's just went really stale. And they're just the kind of guys that get wheeled out for everything now, mm. like every kind of Scotland nostalgia program. Uh, like Cat Harvey. Cup final programs in there. Cat Harvey, I mean, you know, what, 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 what does she even do? I don't know. Jeannie Godley. Oh fuck! Even well, she football. she openly says she doesn't like football, uh, and then we've got her on the BBC watching the cup finals and stuff. Like, why? You, like, whether she's a good comedian or not, if she's openly saying she doesn't like something, why are you putting her on that that platform? I mean, aye, exactly. Um, just horrendous. Kill for it. Um, I think um, I seen one the other day that it's like a, a Scotland variety show or something like that on BBC, and it's that boy that sings the sea shanties oh, that's in, in the charts. Well, how's he a celebrity? Oh my God, yeah, that's I mean, uh, obviously we've got your look-like Paul Grant Stott, <laughs> um, who, you know... Where's Dominic Diamond these days? Well, he's in Canada, thankfully, but the <laughs> do you, actually reminded me of Grant Stott, right? Except he kept saying, you know, my father and my brother were here, they my father. When Grant Stott tells his memories, he always just says, my father. Funnily enough, <laughs> his brother's never involved in it. So I'm hoping all that shite goes to fuck, basically. Um, so so you know we'll get what on a rerun, like a, a fresh batch of McCoyston Macaulay shows for the for the Euros. Fucking hell, aye. Um, I mean, see the thing about that is, is that I think Scotland need to. You know, I'm all for being proud to be Scottish and that, but we need to shake off this kind of short breaking thing. You know that kind of masks everything. And um, I'll t- you know they were talking to a boy. So Sadiq Khan during the week had said, um, you know, didn't he come basically to London? Didn't he go near Wembley if you've not got a ticket? All oh, this piss, right? And uh, they interviewed this boy outside his house, who was for the North of Scotland Tartan Army, and he just went, "Aye, it's a bloody disgrace." And that's <laughs> it. I'm thinking, you know, you're going to interview a boy, right? So if you go to interview somebody, you talk to them first. And then when you talk to them, you get a grasp straight away. Either, actually, this guy's a fucking head case. We need to get rid of him and get somebody else, you know what I mean? <laughs> but they put them on. Um, and then also, of course, you get, uh, if, if, you know, Aberdeen fans or Hearts fans or Celtic fans cause trouble with any groom next season in Scotland, you're going to have the government basically want to shut you down or that kind of thing. When Scotland demolished London and Wembley, it's hijinks. <laughs> there was actually a song written about the infamous game at Wembley in 1977 called The Happy Hooligans Song. That's <laughs> a simple thing. He said, the guy who wrote it said, I was inspired by my neighbour who was at Wembley who came back and I said, Christ almighty, you're all hooligans. And he went, no, we're just happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think Scotland's people have mistaken the word happy for the word drunk. <laughs> so, so in that in that bombshell, we're we're going to lead you out with uh, Irvin Welsh, and then of course the Proclaimers, who I am going to say right now should be given statues if we win this tournament. On that bombshell, Paul, uh, have you got a ticket for any games yet? I think I'm looking positive for having one for the Croatia game. 
and what kind of shenanigans and skullduggery are you going to have to do to get that? It's just lucky enough to know somebody, so just just pay face value. Well, some, you know somebody who's willing to give up a ticket for a Scotland game that's hardly any kind of that? Go, go in the UFA ballot and can't I, I don't think they can go. Jesus. It was booked two years ago, to be fair. But I thought the UFA ballot had been scrapped. No, there was some people lost their tickets, because I had tickets via the UFA ballot and got it taken off me. Quite but right. Some were, yeah. Quite right. And Doogie, have you got to spend most of the time watching it in the bookies? Um, I think sort of half and half. Luckily, I've got the week off commencing the 14th. Uh, so I've got two Scotland games uh, free. So I'll try, me and the boys are trying to get a, a day out for the big one. Uh, but finding a bar in Edinburgh that uh, sort of promotes well, watching football is very difficult. Paul and I had a discussion about this a couple of weeks ago. Edinburgh's one of the places in Scotland you can easily walk in and be a full of English cunts in the bar, you know? If see if this is the Six Nations, not a fucking problem. They'd be uh-huh. fucking at least uh-huh. coming through my door saying, now uh, you watch the game here or whatever. Well, uh, football, nah, I don't want to know about it at all. Uh-huh. It's fucking nonsense, so... But, I mean, I, <laughs> what I hope for, mainly, I mean, obviously, I watch Scotland win the tournament, <laughs> but what I hope for as well is the fact that we actually put football in a positive light, you know, again... And realise that it is a people's game, and it's the, the game in Scotland. As you say, Dougie, it's no rugby, or fucking curling, or bowls, or any of that pitch that they try and put force on us. It's football. We all love football, and um, I genuinely think this is the most united we're going into one tournament. You know, where nobody really hates the manager, nobody really hates many of the players. The fact that there's very few Huns in the squad probably makes that thing, or jam- Jambos as well. Um, but, you know, they've actually got some likeable football players in there as well. And even, you know, we're talking about England, it's hard to even hate the English players. It's not the ones that used to be, you know, a fucking... I mean, I met Emily Hughes last week was on the telly for a nostalgic thing, saying that he was, they were on the England team bus coming to Wembley, and the Scotland fans there, and a boy ran up and nutted the bus. <laughs> you know what I mean? You used to hate flicks like him and Mick Mulls and all that, but now, but still, what stuff for the bastards. So, we shall leave you, folks. We hope you enjoyed that. And Kajawa and Carrigan, that was for you. In Scotland, we flatter the English by giving victories over them a significance they don't fucking merit. If it was such a big deal to defeat the English, others wouldn't get so fucking bored doing it. In every hick town in Caledonia, across the Sudonation, you can see the most fucked up scum that were shat into creation. Where a blue McEwen's lager top equals no imagination. Think you're a success, your psyche's a mess, your economy is in distress, you're unbelievable. The mystery of Scottish sport is why we hate the English so. I love the English very much. As long as they don't fucking beat us in the European Nations Cup. We're sitting inside Wembley in 79, jock punks in London, massive carry talking to a guy in an ice cream van. So drunk for weeks that we're gone way past the point of wanting tickets. It would be horrendous now if somebody was to hand you a fucking ticket. You'd have to leave all this baby outside the ground by the Polish dump bins. No fucking way. Ten minutes, ten minutes into the fucking game, we'd be climbing up the fucking walls to get out. Fucking hell. Remember the banner, alcoholism beats communism? Well, it beats the fuck out of football as well. What did he do with all the confiscated bevy, the police?
Buckets and bags of it. Give it to the Jakeys. Nah. Drink it themselves. Maybe. Give it back to the retailers to sell it all back to us over again, the fucking cunts. Yes! Sitting and waiting for the inevitable shutout that never comes. Sitting and waiting for the inevitable shutout that never fucking comes. Come on.